0: You look a fantastic group of people from up here. You look wonderful. And uh, this is the view that Pastor Dave has every Sunday. And I can understand why he gets so excited when he preaches here. Because you are an attractive bunch of people. You are, You are. But if you look around, uh, you look at the amount of Nationalities we have here dozens of nationalities, various cultures, different interests, different passions, and different characters. So, with all this variety of people that we've got, how does the Lord develop spiritual maturity? How does he develop spiritual maturity when we all take things in, in a different way, from a different culture, from different experience, from different experiences of life? How does he deal with that to bring us up to the level of maturity that he wants? So what we're going to look at, look, we're going to look at some, the disciples to see whether we can find any answer to this question from the 12 disciples. And if you want a theme for this morning, it's journey towards maturity. Journey towards maturity, because that is the journey that we are all on. Some are at the first bus stop some are at the end of the trip, but we're all on this journey of maturity. But there's one disciple I want to look at this morning, and his name is Peter. Now, just pause here. When I said Peter, I want you to retain in your thoughts what you thought of him, what your ideas were of Peter. What do you think he was? What kind of example did he set? So we're going to concentrate on this man. I want you to keep that in your mind about what your thoughts are about Peter because we're going to look at this at the end and hopefully your minds may change your minds may change so the first scripture we're going to look at is Matthew 10 verse 2 and it says the sign of a future leader now the names of the 12 apostles are these first first Simon who is called Peter and Andrew his brother James the son of Zebedee and John his brother now, first in Greek is protos, meaning chief or leader. So, we've got in this scripture that Peter is chosen as a leader. Now, in the Gospels, John and Judas are mentioned 20 times. Andrew is mentioned 12 times and Thomas is mentioned 10 times, but Peter is mentioned over 120 times, so that would indicate that there is some, something quite unique about this man. A bit of background to Peter, Peter was born probably around 1 AD in a place called Bethsaida many of us have been there, Bethsaida. Now, later on, Jonah, which was Peter's father, not Jonah and the whale, Jonah moved the family about five miles west to a place called Capernaum, Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was on the great trade route. And this trade route was called the Way of the Sea. Now, we have an image here. So, the great trade route came from Egypt following the coast up to Caesarea, which was the port town that Herod the Great built. The Way of the Sea then turns east across the Jezreel Valley into Galilee and it then passes through this town called Capernaum. It then goes north, following the Jordan River, up to Damascus. From Damascus, it carries up through Mesopotamia, and then on to the northern empires. So you can see how this this, uh, route had a specific call to be able to deliver messages throughout the Near East. Now, someone once wrote, Judea is on the way to nowhere, Galilee is on the way to everywhere. And I think with that image, you can see exactly what that is. Now, at Capernaum, I'm giving you as a background, because the more information you can get about Peter, the better it is. It was a prosperous trading town, had a population of probably 12 to 1500. But fishing was its main industry. They were, the family, Peter's family, were probably all fishermen. They had their own business. They were in partnership with a two called James and John, which we'll come along to later on. Peter also had a brother called Andrew. Now, these fishermen, give you an idea of what they're like. They are roughnecks. They are roughnecks. They are strong because of the, the, the manual work that they have to do, they are fearless because of the conditions that they had to deal with on the Sea of Galilee. And for those of you that were with us on our tour of Israel last year, we saw for ourselves the impact of a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And it is vicious. It is vicious. So these are the kind of conditions that, that, that Peter had to deal with. Now, we, co- we've, we come across to Peter when it is mid- to late 20s, okay? Now then, Peter, bear with me on this because this information you will find so useful as we move on. Now, Peter, or Simon, pronounced Shimon. Shimon, there are seven Shimons in the Gospel. Now, Shimon relates to the Hebrew word Shma, Shema means to listen, to hear, or obey. Now, this is the Shema. This is a prayer that every Jew would recite each day, and they still do it today. Now then, this Shema is the bedrock of Shimon. This is the bedrock of Peter's name. Now, when you understand this, Well, I'm going to read it to you. Right, this is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. you imagine that? If your name was called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And hear, O Israel. So, what, the, what, what Shema is really saying is there's one God, the God of Israel. This is what his name means. So, you can see how important the name is. Now, Peter, the root word in Greek is Petros, Meaning rock or stone. And this is going to crop up again. So the, his name is Shma Ben Jonah. That's his name. Shma Ben Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. Now, what this means is the character of the father comes out through the sun. I think we know someone else like that. The character of the Father comes through the sun. So we're, we're going to look now on the first encounter that our friend Peter had with Jesus. Now Jesus had walked about 80 miles from Nazareth to the Jordan. It would have taken him about five 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 days. Okay? He comes down and he's baptized. And immediately after he's baptized, he is then sent into the desert where he fasts and prepares for 40 days for a battle with the devil. So Jesus was in the desert probably for up to five weeks. Have you ever thought what it's like fasting, living in the desert for five weeks? And then he takes on the devil. After he's given the devil a good hiding, He returns to the Jordan, where John the Baptist is still baptizing, and it says that he had two disciples, and one of them was Andrew, Andrew being Peter's brother. So, this is the first encounter. This is in John 1.41. He... Andrew, first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon. You are Shema. You are Shimon, the son of Jonah. I see your father in you. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated stone. Now, it's interesting that Andrew brought his brother, Peter, to Jesus. Peter brought nothing. (laughs) Empty-handed, he came to Jesus with nothing. And that's exactly how it should be. I think that probably everyone in here... For those of us that are followers of Jesus, we came to Jesus with nothing. Nothing. And I hope that there are people here this morning, and maybe watching online, that aren't Christians. I hope that you aren't a follower of Jesus yet. Because you can hear the journey that is necessary to follow Jesus. Because we are here for people that don't know Jesus. This is our calling. And you will see this through Peter later on. Now, Peter came to Jesus with nothing. But Jesus was going to put this man on a journey to maturity. So really, the journey begins. So, we are now looking at the second encounter with Jesus, Peter returned to his family fishing business at the Sea of Galilee back to routine. <laughs> back to routine. Now, sometimes it takes several encounters or situations for us to recognize what it is we are being called to do. We don't always get it first time. You know, goes whoosh straight over our head. We don't know. So what is happening is here is that there is a second time that Peter is called. We know now that we're back on the Sea of Galilee, and there is Peter. He's had a rough night fishing. Um, Not a good night. A bit like Lee. (laughs) A rough night, okay? He hasn't caught anything. He's washed all his nets, He is tired. His nets are ready for the next day. But Jesus is walking along, and he says to Peter, can we have your boat, can I have your boat, and set out on the shore, because I want to speak to the people. Now, here we have a picture of a fishing boat. Okay? That gives you an idea of what a fishing boat would have been like in the time of Jesus. Peter gets in his boat, and who gets in with him? Jesus. Two in the boat. Two in the boat. Now then, he's tired, he's exhausted, and Jesus says to him, right, let's put out here. So, what is happening with Peter is that he is having his first test, his first test of obedience. Now, before I became a Christian, that wasn't really my best aspect of my life. I wasn't necessarily obedient. I was a bit of a rebel. No, I wasn't. I was a big rebel, I would not conform to anything, I wouldn't. I hated being told what to do. I hated it. And anybody that tried to control me became public enemy number one. (laughs) That has changed somewhat, but I don't know that Hillary would agree with that all the time, (laughs) especially when it comes to unloading the the dishwasher. Right, let's have a look at this, the first test, right, the test of obedience, and this is in Luke 5, verse 4 and 5. When he, right, Jesus had delivered the message to the people on the shore. Peter was sitting in the boat, and this is probably the first time that he'd heard the kingdom of God preached, and there's him, Jesus there, listening to this. And when Jesus, this is, this is, uh, I say, Luke five four. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." But Simon answered and said to him, "Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing." This is the words. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. A test of obedience, a test of obedience. Now, that was Peter replying to a request by Jesus. This wasn't Peter answering on his own behalf. Although he was tired and knew he would have to clean the nets all over again, he did as he was asked. So really what was happening here? His character of obedience, in spite of how he felt, a bit like Lee again. <laughs> he came here regardless of how he felt. So can you see how God, or how, how Jesus is seeing a character of Peter? Is this the kind of man that I want to mature? Can I use this spirit of obedience? And then he says, right, go out into the Sea of Galilee, let down your nets, and catch the fish. They They pull in the fish, and there are so many fish that the boat starts to sink. Now, what was it full of? Fish. Full of fish. So we have a boat full of fish, Jesus, and Peter. This is what's going on. And then in Luke 5, 4, when Simon Peter saw it, the fish, he fell at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. These are the first words that that we hear Peter speak on his own accord. Depart from me. For I am a sinful man. Do you see he came along with nothing? He's coming to Jesus. I'm a sinful man. Now then, it says he falls to Jesus' knees. What's he kneeling in? Fish guts. Smelly fish. You know, you, you fall down on fish, and a few of them are going to squeeze out, aren't they? And it's a bit like us when we come when we come to Jesus. We come when we're in a mess. We come with smelly, dirty life. Just like, just like Peter. This situation shows another side of Peter. He was brought to that place where he knew he was a sinner. And in the presence of someone very special. He could touch Jesus. He knew his voice He was looking at him. He was hearing him. He was so focused on Jesus. Without this, how could he lead others to the need of forgiveness? It's all got to be experience, isn't it? He had to to know what it was to be a sinful man. Now we're going to go on to... Peter's test number two. Now, we're, I mean, I'm I'm following Peter with this. I mean, if there's anybody in the Bible that I identify with, is my mate Peter? Is my mate Peter? Um, right. So this is the second test. This is what Jesus says to Peter after seeing him fall to his knees and acknowledge he's a sinner. And Jesus said to Simon, or Jesus said to Shimon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They gave up their business. Would you do that? Right. Forget the business. It's gone. I'm walking away from it. Now, who's going to carry on the business? It's the family. The family. Remember, I'm going to try and explain a bit to you about, about Near Eastern culture around this. See, Near Eastern culture was that the family lived together. as a, Like a mini community. You know, the, they, the, the parents, the grandparents, the kids, they would all live together. And they would learn from each other. There was communal living, living from, uh, learning from each other to observe others' behavior and how they lead their lives. Now, this is an interesting one. Peter and Andrew had left the business. James and John had left the business. The family takes over running the family business to support Peter, Andrew, James, and John. That's what community is, supporting. At this particular stage, now remember, Jesus had accumulated his 12 disciples now. He got them all. He's got a full contingent of disciples. Now, Jesus moves from Nazareth, about 30 miles, to Capernaum. Now, remember, Capernaum is on the way of the sea from Egypt, from Mesopotamia up to Europe. It comes through the front door of Peter and Andrew, and Jesus walks in. Now, I don't think that was a coincidence, that that God had put into Jonah, his father, I want you to move down the coast to Capernaum, because in 30 years' time, I have a man that is going to come and live in your house, and the impact that this person is going to have on the whole world is going to start from where you live, Capernaum. Now, Peter was married because we know that Jesus healed his mother-in-law, but also in in one of his epistles, he he calls himself one of the elders, which would imply that he was married and his children were believers. That's the, that's the essence of what he is saying. So what we have here in this little place in Capernaum is a community of followers with Jesus at the center. A bit like kings, isn't it? What happened in Capernaum is happening here. A community of followers of Jesus with him at the center. And this, because we often think that Jerusalem was the start of the first church. But for me, I think Capernaum was. I really think Capernaum was. Now then, we know that Peter is obedient, he has got faith, but now This is where Peter and the 12 are let loose. (laughs) Now, this is where it it gets really interesting. The third test, test of trust. This is the test for Peter. And this is in Luke 9, 3 to 5. Hang on, I've got to drink a minute. Okay, this is, is, I think, quite incredible. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. These are the two things that Peter was instructed to do. Tell them about the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Two things, nothing else. Kingdom of God, heal the sick now then (laughs) now then take nothing for your journey he instructed them don't take a walking stick a traveller's bag food money or even a change of clothes wherever you go stay in the same house until you leave town and if the town refuses to welcome you shake its dust from your feet As you leave, to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. That doesn't sound very Christian, does it? Hey, that really doesn't sound very Christian, but there's a reason for this. See, Peter needed to learn how to keep focused. Not to be distracted and waste time on spiritual rebels. That was me. Spiritual rebels. Don't waste time on him. He's not ready yet. He's got a lot of his ego to be knocked out of him before he gets to that place. And I think that many of us can identify with this. Stick to what you are called to do. This would be essential for Peter when he starts the church. Now, I'm going to go off script here a bit. Right. Right. I usually sit somewhere over there, so I'm going to figuratively put myself over there with Hillary, all right? And I am Jesus. Hmm, Quite quite a claim to fame. At this moment, I'm going to be Jesus. You are going to be Peter. You are going to be Peter. And I'm Jesus. Peter, leave your coat on the chair. Leave your handbag on the floor. Leave your rucksack on the floor. Leave your mobile phone and purse on the chair. Stand up, go out that door, and walk to Usk. Walk to Barry. Walk to Cardiff. Walk to Abergavenny knock on someone's door and say, I want to stay with you for as long as I need to. And then you've got to get out on the street and tell them about the kingdom of God and heal the sick. What would your response be to that? But Peter did it. What a man. What an incredible guy he is. Do you know, I don't know that I could do that. I really don't. I understand it. I understand. And I know that that is what I'm called to do. But my calling to people is going to be different to yours. I know where I am called to go and to share the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now what we're going to do This is, for those of you that have been to Israel, you're going to love this. You are going to love this, all right? Jesus takes the disciples up north, and they come to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi is a pagan worship center. So they would go there, and they would worship all these different gods. So it was a pick and mix of God much like it is today. Make God up as you want. You know, I'll have a bit of this, I'll have a bit of that, that will be my God. And that is what it was in Caesarea Philippi. So what they would do, they would take their sacrifices and there was a cavern, which you will see. There is a cavern there, which they would throw their sacrifices in to appease their gods, to save them from death. Also, there were temples that Herod and later on Philip, his son, had built to worship the emperor because he was considered to be God. So, they were standing there or whatever they were doing, because I wasn't there, but I'm just a bit of poetic license. Jesus says to the tribe, the 12 of them, who do people say I am? Now, you and Matt, if you ask, go out on the street, out lower Dock Street, and ask someone there, who do you say he is? Oh, he's a good guy, isn't he? Jesus is a good guy. Yeah, I think he's all right. Uh, he might be John the Baptist. He might be Elijah. He might be one of the prophets. This is what they would all been saying. But then, this is where Jesus really wants a, from the Spirit answer. This is in Matthew 16, verse 13. Wait for that to come up because I can see it from there. Here we are, discerning the spirit of God. This is Jesus now speaking to them, but we're going to, be able to put it in the context of Peter. He said to them, "But who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter." Answered and said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Jesus answered and said to him, "Blessed are you." Here was the full name, Shimon Ben Jonah. He is he is expressing the character of his father. Expressing the character of his father, his father is now in heaven. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, a group of followers, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against you. Betty, could you put the previous picture on? Right. Now look at this picture. There is the cavern, which they would have thought is the gates of hell. And in front of it is the source of the, one of the sources of the River Jordan. Now remember, moving water, whether it comes from rain or from springs or from rivers, is what they call living water. So what you have here... Is death and life. Who do you say I am? This is the question that Jesus asked Simon. Who do you say I am? The difference between life and death. At this place, Caesarea Philippi has got the most profound place. And for those of you, I, I'm going to keep on about Israel because you know, next year, this is on th- the, in the tour. So you are going to be peering into that cave if you come with us, and I would wish you did. Now, what happened here, this was the first divine declaration of who Jesus was. You are the Messiah. So we can see here, this, this journey of maturity that, that Peter is on is growing, isn't it? It's developing. A bit like us. Who do we say he is? He's just a good guy? Is Jesus, you know, someone more? He's really nice, isn't he? He's nice. Jesus loves me, this I know, the Bible tells me so, or a little chorus. But no, what is happening is maturing. This is what is happening. This is what's happening to us. Peter will use this to build the church based on the declaration and to spread the gospel throughout the, the world. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the foundation of us. This is the foundation of King's Church. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, this is something quite fascinating. Again, one of the places that we've been many times. Jesus then takes his disciples again, and he he peels off three. Peter, James, and John. And he takes them up to a high mountain. This is after six days of walking. He takes them up to a high mountain, and something happens. This is in Matthew 17, 2-3. This is the transfiguration of Jesus. Right, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. This is how I believe that Peter, James, and John knew that they were Elijah and Moses because he was talking. He'll probably use the word. Now, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Shmah him. Shmah. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. See, Peter declared Jesus is the Messiah on the previous trip, and now he has shown the majesty of the Godhead. This was showing Peter that the covenant with Moses, and the words of the prophets were being fulfilled through a new covenant. Through a new covenant. The audible voice of God was heard. This is my son. Hear him. Hear him. The majesty of the father is seen in the son. Isn't that amazing? The majesty of the father the godhead is seen in jesus at the transfiguration now if you th- if you think now of what voila revelation 116 now i've read to you about what peter james and john experienced a glimpse this is there we are a glimpse of heaven and a revelation of the future in his right hand he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword of judgment. And his face reflected the majesty and the Shekinah glory was like the sun shining in all its power. This is how he is going to return. But this is how Peter, James and John saw him. Can you see what Peter was being exposed to for his future calling? But what happened here? Jesus, right, what am I, what am I gonna, how am I going to take this now? We have, a, we have a man called Peter that is prepared here is a man, Paul, that is prepared with a long way to go, but we know that we are on this journey of maturity. Every one of us is on a journey towards maturity. This is how serious this is. All right, so we, we have now a Peter, all right? He's kitted out, isn't he? <laughs> He's, he's shown his, his character. He's, he's, he knows that Jesus is the Christ. He knows that he's, he's part of the Godhead. You would think Peter is honky-dory to be let loose in the world, wouldn't you? You would. Oh, wait, wait for it. <laughs> wait for it. The Last Supper. Jesus has 24 hours to live. And he speaks to the 12. This is what he says. This is in Matthew 26:31. Then Jesus said to them, "All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night." For it is written: "This is a declaration of Jewish prophecy. I will strike the shepherd." and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. It's from Zechariah. Jesus was confirming prophetic promises through the Jewish scriptures. People that say, I am am not interested in the Old Testament, I think you need to start reading it. And when you see the relevance of the Jewish people bringing us this understanding, we have a reason to be grateful. Every disciple was a Jew. Every one. What does that say? Can you understand why there is so much hatred of the Jews? We move on now to where Peter, his challenge in time... Matthew 26:33. Failing promises with good intentions. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I think we're all on this, aren't we? I think we've all done it. Yeah, I'm going to do this. This is how it's going to be. There's this meeting going on, and I'm going to go. I'm going to turn up to that, and I'm going to do my bit bit like Lee again. Lee, you've, you're a uh, you're center stage this morning. Uh, he would have probably wanted to stay at home, but he didn't. But often we can do, ah, no, it's, it's, I, just, I, just, I just can't be bothered. What an attitude. I can't be bothered. What would have Peter? We're going to see this later on, so I'm not going to preempt that. Right, this is, this is our friend Peter. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Well done, Peter. Nice one. Jesus' response to this, this, this stepping up with confidence. I will never reject you, Jesus. I will be there to the bitter end. And this is what Jesus replies. Jesus said to him, now remember there are the 12 disciples here, and Peter is jumped up in front of the other 11 and declared this. Now the other 11 thinking, there he is again. He's opened his big mouth again. Now then what he is saying, he's got to back this up to the 11. Oh, the 11 are sitting down there, all right, they're listening to Peter. Here he goes again. Here he goes. Let's see if he can do this. But Je- Jesus steps in now. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And who steps up again? Peter. Jesus had told him what's going to happen, but Peter, no. Jesus, you're wrong. You're wrong. I, no, you're wrong. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Wow. Wow. So what happens now, this is where the rubber hits the road. Jesus had been taken from the Garden of Gethsemane. He was then taken by the the temple guards into the the Palace of Caiaphas, who was the high priest, and within the courtyard of Caiaphas were the guards and it was a cold cold evening and uh, Peter followed on behind, and he goes into this courtyard and then this is in John eighteen seventeen. Then the slave woman, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter. You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Peter in his big mouth. Now, the slaves and officers were standing there, having made, now this is really important, made a charcoal fire, for it was cold, and they were warming themselves, and Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. Now, Peter, let's just try and think what Peter had just chopped this guy's ear off, right? He'd rejected Jesus, right? He's now in the midst of these soldiers that had just arrested Jesus and taken him into Caiaphas. And here's Peter in the middle of him. What's he doing in there? Peter surely was full of fear and confusion. It was in this state... That he denied knowing Jesus. Fear and confusion. Fear and confusion are the things that the devil will use to stop us doing what we're called to do. Fear and confusion. Then we go on to John eighteen twenty five. Now Simon Peter has a full name. Full name was still standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you are not one of the disciples as well, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, this is high caliber stuff he's around now, who was related to the one whose ear Peter had cut off. Now the consequence of this for Peter, if he gets found out he's the one that lobbed his ear off, you know, it's, it's not looking good for him. Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it and said, immediately, the rooster crowed. The rooster crowed. And what we come on here is the pain of exposing pride. The pain of exposing pride. And I think we've all I think every one of us, at some degree or sometime, we've experienced that. Now, five of those disciples return to Galilee, and they start fishing. And Peter says, I am going fishing. They fished all night and caught nothing yet again. So here we have Peter in his little boat on his own. He just returned from Jerusalem and all that went on down there, and he's in his boat. Now, we have a picture here called, if only. If only. Imagine how Peter is now thinking, because I've certainly been in this position As I'm sure every one of you has, if only. This is what could have been going through Peter's mind. If only I had not said I would never deny him. If only I had not tried to stick around the courtyard. If only I'd kept my mouth shut. If only I'd stayed awake when he needed me in the garden. If only, if only. Because you see, what all this, this is bringing Peter to a place we're going to look at in a minute. Now let's make this personal now. Let's make this personal. Instead of Peter, put, there's a picture of you up there. Right? This is us. Put yourself up there. This is you lot. Picture yourself there. If only I hadn't made that comment. If only I hadn't been so quick in finding fault. If only I hadn't been so silly with money. If only I'd been a better parent. See how we identify where Peter was at, really? But focusing on the past failings and negative thoughts are a major cause Of stifling maturity don't let the devil take that CD of those things that you did the things that you said the things that you failed on stick it in your head and press the play button because that's what you will do look what you did look what you said look at the way you behave to your wife look at what you were like in work All these kind of things. So, it's really changing the habits to be positive. The danger of negative thinking and negative thoughts are from the pit of hell. From the pit of hell. What we are now going to look at is how did Jesus help Peter move from a head full of onlys to a heart full of purpose? Excuse me, I'm going to drink again. Are you hanging on all this? Good. I'm I'm teaching myself here. I I really am. I really am. So I'm I'm sure it's the same for you. Okay. They'd gone out fishing. Didn't get any, any luck at all. And then John says, it's the master, he's on the beach. And then Jesus, who's on the beach, he shouts out to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find fish. So they cast it and they were not able to hold, in, hold it in because of the great quantity of fish. Now, this I think is fantastic. This is John 21, 7 to 9. Okay. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter, full name, Shimon, Heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. That That is the behavior of a man that is committed. He wants to get to his Savior, regardless of what, because I, I want to get to him. So there's, there's Peter, half-dressed, over the side of the boat. Now, it's about it's about... 300 feet so distance wise I suppose it was the length of this hall so Peter leaps in and he's got to get from here to there where Jesus is so Jesus so Peter is probably doing the breaststroke the crawl whatever he might be doing but he's determined to get to Jesus and I think it's just wonderful they get to the shore. Now, can we see this picture of called Peter's primacy? Okay, that's it. This is where this took place. This is the beach that Jesus made breakfast for Simon Peter. This is it. We've been there and we've uh, discussed Peter many times. So this will give you an idea. This will give you an idea of the... Anyway, I don't need to say any more. Now, I'm gonna... this is John 21, 7-9. to Now, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon son of John, or Simon son of Jonah, Do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he said to him, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now, the interesting thing was there's only two references in the New Testament that mentions charcoal fire, just two. One of those was in the courtyard where Peter denied Jesus, the charcoal fire. The only other time it comes up is the fire that Jesus had made to make breakfast, the charcoal fire. So what was happening, the fire was demonstrating the purifying power of God to reinstate Peter. Peter. Jesus of the second chance each time Jesus said do you love me it reminded Peter the three times he denied Jesus each time Peter said you know I love you brought him to a place of deep repentance you know I love you but in his mind oh look what I did Look what I did. So it brings to a place of repentance. Each time Jesus said, feed my sheep, it showed Jesus' forgiveness. Lovely, isn't it? Just lovely. Peter's denial and reinstatement told him two important truths which would be part of the foundation message for the future church. The need to acknowledge your sin and the need for repentance but most of all most importantly the message of grace the gift of knowing you are forgiven see peter had to experience this to be able to bring this to the future church now I'm running out of time, and there's just one bit that I really need to. It's 11:50. Uh, no, I, I don't want to. Anyway, bear with, bear with. After they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus had returned to heaven. Power came on the disciples. And they storm into the temple, led by Peter. Peter, he's in there, and he gets on their case. You are the ones that manipulated the Sanhedrin to get the Romans to crucify Jesus. And he gets on their case. It was you that did that. You handed him to the Romans to crucify him. And then they say, well, what can we do? Repent and be baptized. And that day, 3,000 people were saved because of what Peter had said. Now, There's one other thing which is really important. They go back into the temple the day after. So this is Peter and John. They're walking up the steps into the temple, and they see this guy, uh, a beggar, a lame beggar, being carried into the inner courts to beg. And uh, they walk up to him. Now here we are. The man that was lame. Peter said, look at us. This is the man that speaks with confidence. Oh, uh, I'm I'm sorry you're down there. Oh, have you had a bad day? You know, uh, you know, you, you know. Oh, it's tough and it's really tough. No, look at us. Be confident. Be confident. The man looked at him. This is in Acts three six to eight. Now then, when Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, where did he learn that? When Jesus sent them out, don't take money with you. Don't take a coat. Don't take food. Don't, they learned that lesson. It's about what Jesus can do, not what we can do. Because of this, Peter and John were dragged in front of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin are the, the sort of the, the parliament of, of, uh, of the Jewish people, the, 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 the Orthodox, the Orthodox. Now, these are the ones that had Jesus committed. Now, Peter and John are dragged in front of these. And this is in Acts 3.13. In front of the Sanhedrin... Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? What a change in this man is just incredible. Just incredible. And I'm coming in to land now. So, could we have the keyboard player who's on, who's on keys today? Anyone? No? Okay. The journey towards maturity. All of us identify with Peter. All of us are on this journey. All of us. Do we want to take it seriously? Or are we just going to hear the story of Peter and thinking, well, that's interesting, isn't it? But what's happened to Peter now? Peter had matured into the man God had called him to be. He knew how he was about to die and could have easily turned away and chosen a comfortable life that would end by natural causes or old age. He could have gone back to being a fisherman, yet he chose to continue following the risen Jesus and put his life on the line to do so. Peter's faith and dedication to the Lord is an amazing example to all Christians. He persevered to the end. He was transformed by his time with Jesus and especially when he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. It is really a mark of a true believer to repent of sins, learn from mistakes and grow throughout their life. Peter did these things. In the end, he gave his life for Yeshua his Messiah. At the age of sixty-five at the age of sixty-five, tradition says he was crucified in Rome, crucified upside down, because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Saviour. Now, going back to this question that I started with you, what are your thoughts about Peter? Have they changed? Have they changed? Do we see how our life changes through this journey of maturity? The first words that we we heard from Peter, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. The first words that he said, These are the last words that Peter says. This is in 2 Peter 3, 18. Peter's last words. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him, to him, be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This was the life of Peter. Peter. But what does it do? For those of you that don't know Jesus, um, maybe you're watching online, do you want to know him? Would you like to have a relationship with him? How did Peter start? I'm a sinner. Acceptance that, we're, that we've messed up. It's just an acknowledgement of, of who we are. And we ask him for forgiveness of which he wants to. If we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, purify us from our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you if you want to ask Jesus into your life, is the start of this journey. I'm going to say the most simple prayer. You can say it in your heart. Uh, if you want to say it out loud, you can do. But this is the simplicity of of the gospel message that Peter was instructed to give. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. My life is a mess. I've messed up. I acknowledge that to you now. I ask you now to come into my heart, forgive me and save me and make me anew. I say this from the bottom of my heart that I surrender to you that you become my saviour. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Simple, isn't it? Dead simple. So when you leave, if you want to, there is a Bible out the back which Claire will explain later on. Please take one. So I hope that You've enjoyed this morning. Uh, you're a bit wiser than you were, unfortunately, an hour ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you've, um, you're, you're a wonderful group of people to, to speak to because there's no fidgeting going on. You're all looking and taking on board, and it's so encouraging because I don't do this this often. And I'm really grateful that you've helped me to, uh, to glorify him because that's what this is about. Amen.